Uh, one, one of the things about Jalada is that we, we were, at one point, we were around 24 people. And that means that we have so many people with so many ways of thinking about things and uh, so many ways of approaching, uh, approaching the work that we needed to do. We had this space that is Jalada that is accommodating all these different voices. Welcome. I'm Izzy Roberts-Orr, Artistic Director of the Emerging Writers Festival, and you're listening to the Digital Writers Festival podcast. The Digital Writers Festival 2018 is an online festival exploring the unique relationship between technology and storytelling, accessible anywhere, anytime, by anyone with an internet connection. Join us right here in hyperspace between the 30th of October and the 3rd of November and find our full program at digitalwritersfestival.com. Come in, get comfortable and get curious as we hear from storytellers and artists from across the world wide web. Before we begin, um, I'd like to do an acknowledgement of country. To begin, I would like to acknowledge the First Nations, first storytellers and traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Digital Writers Festival. I'm Ahmed Yusuf, a writer and a journalist. And I'm Sarah Uma, also a writer. And I'm Moses Kilolo, uh, a writer and uh, an editor. And I'm glad to be here. So for many members of Diaspora, our current digital era is one of unprecedented capacity to connect with community across the globe and to build a strong history of diasporic collaboration and conversation. In this episode, we are joined by current managing editor of Jalada Africa, Moses Kilolo, to discuss all things diasporic publication. We will talk about the ins and outs of forming and sustaining publications that span languages, cultures and distance, the influence of current digital media on our capacity to collaborate, and the importance of border-defying creative platforms for our communities. Moses Kilolo is the managing editor of Jalada, a Pan-African writers collective that has become an important literary space for African writers, artists from the continent and beyond. Moses has previously worked as a freelance journalist his own writing has appeared in Saraba and Story Mojo, among others. He lives and works in Nairobi. Um, I guess to, to start, um, Moses, I'd like to talk about sort of what brought you to, um, I guess, Jalada um, to begin with. Um, just to make a quick correction, I'm, I'm the outgoing managing editor. We have a new team that's uh, starting out probably this coming week. And uh, the managing editor who is in coming is Wanjiri Gakuru. And um, yeah, we've been, I've been leading the other team for about four and a half years now. And uh, Jalada has been in existence for around five years. Yeah. So. And so um, you were just saying that you've been working with Jalada for the last five years. So what kind of brought you to the manager, the managing editor role in that time? Like, how did it kind of come about? First, we met as a group of writers who gathered, were gathered by Ella Alfrey, 
who was then the, an, ed, an editor with Granta. She instituted this workshop with, um, with the British Council and Kwani Trust and invited quite a number of writers from Kenya, from uh, Zimbabwe and others from Uganda and Nigeria. And we met as a group. Uh, at that time, some of us knew each other, and a few of us, of, of us didn't, hadn't heard of the others. But uh, immediately we met, we felt it was important for us to keep in touch beyond the workshop, uh, so that we didn't just uh, meet in that workshop, and that was the end of the story. You know, it was just another workshop. So what we did is we decided to continue the conversation beyond the workshop. And um, we formed a Google group, which was one of the platforms that helped us to keep the conversation going, given that everybody was in their own spaces and different countries and different cities. It was important for us to have a platform that could enable the conversation. And um, that was probably the beginnings, just very informal and a space that was interactive enough for us to be able to look at each other's work, to critique, to critique each other's work, and uh, you know, to, guide, to guide each other in the ways in which we could develop the work that we were doing. I guess, um, how do you sustain that space whilst not having, not everyone being in the same physical space? Uh, one, it's, uh, it's largely an online conversation where we have uh, the conversation that goes on the Google group and also we do meetings where people who are in Nairobi are able to come together, uh, have drinks, just have conversations. But then we have everybody else who is outside of Nairobi or in other places joining us uh, via uh, Skype mostly and other you know, platforms that we are able to bring everybody into the conversation. But mostly email conversations and uh, Google group and Slack really helps to make sure that everybody is a part of the conversation. And we continue, you know, uh, thinking of ways in which we can continue the work that we've been doing. But to go back to what I was saying about the beginnings is um, at that time, uh, nothing was fully formed, you know. Um, we were just having conversations and trying to figure out ways in which we can uh, build something that would become uh, what it has become now. And following those conversations, uh, we felt that it was important to have a more structured approach, just to make sure that the work that we were doing was able to you know, come together and find form. And that's why uh, we had a group of us begin to, you know, the, the, the management part of it uh, started around 2014. And uh, we were elected into, into the management team. Uh, and we started the work, you know, guiding the rest of the, co uh, the collective in what we, was, what we were going to do, you know, being the bearers of the vision and continuing uh, with the various aspects of the work that we were are you, are you, you just mentioned vision. I guess what I would be interested in is sort of how do you find your voice um, when creating something so new? Um, me and Sarah are working on 
our own separate project called Clay. I guess like um, how how did you find how did Jalada find their voice? One of the things about Jalada is that we we were at one point we were around twenty four people, and that means that we have so many people with so many ways of thinking about things and uh, so many ways of approaching uh, approaching the work that we needed to do. And for that reason, we had this space that is Jalada that is accommodating all these different voices, right? And allowing everybody to express themselves and to find ways in which they can, they can be part of the conversation and the work uh, without entirely stepping onto the other person's um, uh, work or you know, the things that they are supposed to be doing to grow the collective. So the idea of the collective is different people, different voices, being, being able to find a common ground where they could produce work. And part of, the, of this work was uh, us coming together to publish other writers from around the continent. So within the collective, we have editors who then decide that we want to you know, uh, call for submissions for a certain anthology, depending on you know, what we agree on. And then we can use that, we can use the collective energy to be able to work through the projects that we have. Um, so to find our voice is to find ways in which we can come together and we can integrate all the different energies that we have as individual members of the collective. Yeah, it's really interesting um, kind of what you're saying about the kind of collective notion of the publication and I think that really comes through um, in my reading of the the writing online um, and it really makes me think about kind of the ins and outs of the publication and the way that you manage to allow all the different voices to have a say, like as the outgoing managing editor, what was kind of your role in working with so many voices and making the publication flow and work so well? Uh, My role was not the most interesting because uh, working with creatives is always not the most easiest thing to do. Uh, We had to make sure that not only did we respect everybody's approach, but also we gave enough space for everybody to express themselves and to be able to to be heard within within the whole um, collective work. So my role was to be able to ensure that everything fit, that everything was working, uh, within, within the collective sense, that we didn't have uh, one person who is feeling like they were left out, or you know, trying to bring all these editors, voices, writers, and proofreaders, and all all that kind of uh, work to one space. So, what I really did is to stay at the center where I help 
to bring together all the different efforts from the different people. So when we had, when we were working on the anthology, we had all kinds of editors. We had fiction editors, poetry editors, and all, and, and all the different categories, including photo editors and stuff. So to be the managing editor was to bring together all these efforts and to make sure that they flow in a way that there is no disparity and we stay within the vision of what we want to achieve at the end of the day. I, I guess with that, how do you, I guess, create a concept uh, for a publication um, considering members from the collectives are based in different places and, and working on different sort of ends of like ideas? How do you create clear concepts for, for issues that you want to um, put out? Uh, from the very beginning, we always had conversations about what we want to do. And for us to reach at a decision of what anthology you want to do is uh, mostly based on that conversation. So one person in the collective will come up with an idea, say that we want to do an issue on Afrofutures, which was um, Jalada 2, for instance. So one person would suggest that this is something important, then they would bring reasons why they would have their argument, and then we would discuss as a collective on, um, and this, most of this discussion was done online on the Google platform. We would discuss, uh, is this something that we want to do? Is this uh, a project that we want to embark on as a collective? And once um, we are in favor of that um, issue or in favor of that line of you know, work to be done, then we have a vote. And if most of the people decide that, you know, this is something that we are very passionate about, then we would, we would have, you know, uh, we would conceptualize the whole thing and put up a call out. But it was always a collective agreement that we need to do a certain project. And from there, then we would have a group, a group from within the collective who would then uh, become the editors of that particular uh, anthology. Yeah, totally. Um, me and Ahmed, in kind of thinking about our own publication and also just being on the internet all the time, basically, um, and being very well versed with the internet, social media, um, we're kind of constantly thinking about being in diaspora, being African, and what the internet has allowed, I guess, what kind of mobility it's allowed us in connecting with family, um, in creating spaces for the conversations we want to have. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on just kind of using the online space um, for African kind of writing communities and what it can mean and symbolise. So one of the things that has really been uh, useful for Jalada is to be able to connect with people who are doing similar things in different parts of the uh, African continent and beyond. And this has helped us to do collaborative work. Uh, we, did, we did a collaboration with um, Rativism that's uh, across the border in Uganda. We did a, collab uh, a translation issue or um, a mini translation project with um, a publication in Spain where they 
they you know translated a few of the stories in afro features issue and with with time we've been able to do quite uh, daring projects because of the kind of connections that we've made and most of these connections were actually made online so the online space is very important to you have to be able to observe what everybody else is doing and what interests you and who you can connect with and who you know you don't have to accept everything that's offered but there are people that you will be able to connect with that will be very helpful and useful for the work that you're trying to build um, as you go forward how do you stay focused in trying to create and cultivate work whilst also the disruption that online spaces create i guess sarah what do you think um, I don't know, because I'm really personally, like, not really on anything, which is my tactic, <laughs> which is horrible for... But then that, that's a tactic in its own right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm I'm not really big on having my own personal stuff online, um, but at the same time, I'm completely addicted to the internet. It's horrible. Um, I don't know. I think I don't really have a tactic. I think the main thing I think about in terms of wanting to write and also living in this age is I'm just like super wary of I don't know like putting too much stuff online I'm not sure where this anxiety comes from but I'm just very private no, no, it's, it's fine because <laughs> Facebook's taking all our data and, yeah. you know Cambridge Analytica and whatever it is yeah I don't know it's not like a big thing I think I'm just very private and I try I, I really struggle with this thing of like having persona online and also being a real human being I don't know I have this interesting relationship to it and I don't know if I've figured it out Moses what do you think how do you deal with that um you know I, I think there are two things to this one um I personally don't share a lot of personal things online but also you know as a writer now you cannot avoid uh having a kind of online presence or especially if you're, if you're putting up a publication as well, you will not, uh, it, it, will, it will be compulsory for you to have a way in which you can reach as many people as possible. And the only way you can do that is to be able to connect uh, with different people and with all kinds of spaces that are going to be useful for the work that you're doing. Um, I know. I know. There's always this thing you feel like uh, the the online world is going to suck up your energies, and it's going to make it uh, impossible for you to have uh, that personal, uh, private space that you need. But you also need to find ways to balance that with the idea that for you to be a non-writer in, in the world that we are in now. You either have to write something so brilliant, everybody will have to uh, just jump on it, or you have to make sure that people, uh, you're visible online. So there's really um, no way that you can completely delink from the online spaces. But then the idea also is to know uh, your boundaries and the kind of spaces and people that you want to connect with. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible that you're going to waste so much of your time if you're just after everything and everybody and 
uh, everybody who is excited about your work, you're responding and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to connect and work with them or promise you know, to be a part of their journey and everything. That can, can be very detrimental to your own journey. So it's really about being observant and knowing the kind of things that you, that you want to, you know, you want to be a part of and the things that you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking, well, my instinct is that because Jalada works as a collective, having that collective energy um, would be helpful as well. Like it's, there are personal elements, but there's also a group of you that are kind of working together. And I think having good people around you in any context is helpful. Um, so yeah, I can totally understand that. Um, but I was just thinking we could talk a little bit about writing and our practices. Um, maybe we'll throw back to you, Moses, if you want to talk a little bit about um, your writing practice um, and maybe how the publication has and working as an editor um, and in the collective has kind of morphed your writing and we can maybe throw back to Ahmed to answer the same question after. Uh, okay. I will say that before Jalada, I wrote a lot. I read a lot. I, you know, I did a lot of things that grew my own um, journey as a writer. But uh, with Jalada, it called for such a commitment and such uh, an involvement with the work, such that with time, it felt like I didn't have time anymore for my own writing. And that is one of the most, uh, that, that's one of the downsides of working and making, trying your level best to ensure that the work that has been entrusted to you is done to the best, best standards possible. So when you start running uh, such kind of publication, a lot of your headspace is taken up by that, that work. Most writers will spend their days just thinking about their characters and trying to um, think about what, what to do and being in the space where you, know, you embody the, the world that you're trying to create uh, in, your, in, a, in your fiction or in, or in the work that you're trying to do. But then when you want to work, when, when you're working on uh, projects, for example, the translation project that we did, you will spend so much time trying to look out, you know, where, where can I find translators? Uh, you have in conversations with so many people, you know, writers, translators, and different people. And at the end of the day, it's, um, it calls for a lot of your emotional input and your own, uh, you know, your mind is taken up by that work to a great extent. So if you're not careful with that. What happens is that with time, it becomes such a part of you and so important to your daily uh, mental work that you end up doing very little of your own writing. And uh, that is something that I've uh, had conversations with uh, a number of the people who run these spaces. And uh, it's, it's a common problem and as you as you also start your work with clay and everything, it's important to kind of uh, think 
think about how you're going to give everything you can to clay, but also ensure that it doesn't affect your own work, uh, your own creative processes, your own writing, your own uh, other forms of creative work. So to me, it's, um, it's a lesson that I would like everybody out there to be able to learn, such that in as much as you want to put so much of your energy into all this, also think about your own creative journey, your own writing and everything. Um, this is not to say that I've written nothing over the last few years. It's just that I've written way less than I would have uh, wanted to. So I've made contributions to different, most of the anthologies that we've published uh, in Jalada, but also I've published one or two other stories also. So uh, the main thing is to kind of find a balance between the work that you're doing for your publication and your own creative work. So that's one of the things I would say about, about what has been happening in the last few years. I guess what's also been interesting for me, um, and I guess, Sarah, let me know if it is for you, is trying to cultivate a work that is fresh and, and sort of trying to do something that isn't already being done or, or a carbon copy of what's being done in a different space and trying to find a way that it sort of translates to, the, for example, Clay, we want, we want to cultivate like an... African diasporic um, literary journal that fits with the context that we're in. And we were talking about it the other day, I don't know, you can chip in, Sarah, about mm. sort of the conversation we were having. Yeah, we were just, I think, trying to, I think just thinking a lot about our diaspora and what there's no, I guess, um, collective group we all fit into, which is a good thing. Um and we're from, you know, very different parts um, of Africa and just kind of trying to find a way to make sense of this space we're in in Australia and the politics of Australia and what we feel is available to us um, in terms of, like, resources and in terms of what space we think would be good for the kind of writing that's coming out here and it's it's been a really interesting kind of conversation um to kind of figure that out um with such a kind of not really a young diaspora but I guess kind of growing in number I could say and I guess also like trying to figure out what kinds of platforms work for the kinds of contributors that we want to have on is it this sort of like is it a static um sort of like um online journal does it have different sort of, whether it be video or audio elements, like where does it fit in terms of um, the kinds of work that we want to do and, and try to figure out whether we can do something that is, obviously we're doing something completely new, but like trying to figure out what can we do that is distinctly fit in with the cultural context that we're in, if that makes any sense. I was just thinking that it's, um, it's, it's a wonderful vision that you guys have. Uh, and at the end of the day, what will be most important is the quality of the work that you guys do. It's, it's one thing to be, you know, to just um, to publish people from, you know, Australia or other diasporic 
uh, spaces. But what is important at the end of the day is, in addition to the vision that you have uh, for your publication uh, and the approach that you take, and however unique it will be, the most important thing at the end of the day is the quality of the work that you do and, uh, and the consistency of that work. Because uh, we've seen so many uh, brilliant people come up with you know, spaces and uh, quite unique things that they could do with those spaces. But then one of the things that end up lacking is uh, consistency. Quality might be there in the beginning, but then uh, what you will need is to understand that the more consistent you are uh, and the more quality that you put out, the more you will grow uh, clay or the, the, the space that you're creating. And with this, you know, when, when, we, when you start, there's always a very, uh, I don't know how to put it, but it's always very ideal in your mind and in your, in your thinking about the growth of that work. But then the challenges will come, you know, people will change, uh, uh, you know, different circumstances will force uh, different kinds of things. And perhaps as you start, it's um, a question of not just trusting in the process, but also knowing that uh, it's a process that will keep changing and having conversations every other time about, you know, what happens when this changes? What will happen if there's no more funding? Or what will happen if, you know, either Hameda has to move away or, or Sarah has to do something else? Uh, you know, this, these are things uh, you have to discuss so that as you start, we will talk about clay 50 years from now. You know, uh, we've, seen, <coughs> we've seen many online spaces coming up and they are in fights or people are breaking up and all, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just to keep it real, you know, do quality work, but also think about the continuity of that work uh, beyond you. So that from the very beginning, you know, if, if I am to leave, what will happen to this? I remember listening to this um, famous African writer, I'm forgetting his name, he was talking about um, sort of you, African writing isn't African writing if it's written in English or something like that. So it's like a really contested sort of definition. I guess what do you, I guess, Saru, think about African writing? What does that mean? Or does it mean anything? Or are we too focused on sort of like calling things or labeling things in this sort of way? Um, I really don't like giving people tags or writing tags, you know, uh, that there's African writers or African writing. There's just writing. And that writing is done by people who are African or Australian or, you know, British and all that. But um, you have your own demographic that you want to reach out to. You're, you're, there's a specific kind of people that you want to reach out to, to publish or to target as your, as your readers. So <clears throat> I think it's very okay for you to, for, for example, in Jalada, one of our main focus is uh, promoting homegrown African talent and 
when we say African talent, we mean mostly people who are based in the continent and who are uh, doing creative and beautiful work uh, within the continent. But also, we reach out to people from uh, practically everywhere. So your definitions, at the end of the day, might not, might not be as important as uh, just being able to reach to a certain people and, and trying to work with them to create a body of work that you'll be proud of, of creating. So um, if you speak of diasporic African writing, uh, of course, when you put that tag, it means that there's a particular people that you want to reach out to for publication. And it's fine if you want to do that. I just, in my own opinion, I'm not very keen on putting tags. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it comes back to what you were saying about kind of the collectivist and notions and just bringing people together that you're excited to work with or that you look up to or you respect or you want to learn from, which I think is very much where me and Ahmed kind of are ideas lie and um, being in diaspora, just kind of being excited about what's been bubbling under the surface for a lot of um, African creatives, uh, particularly here in Melbourne where we are based. Um, so we're really looking forward to, I guess, putting the work together in a sense or, or at least having it one space where some work is showcased and shared as I think we've been kind of talking about but yeah I don't know I don't think I have a definition either yeah, of I, I, African writing me not I, I asked the question more to sort of spark the conversation because I also I, I'm I'm I guess on the line of Moses and, and, and I guess you too so sort of the way the, uh, labels and definitions are there to sort of sometimes um box you into certain roles and and create sort of rigidity when fluidity is more the way I suppose I'm, I think about this. There is no difference in, yeah, like you said, there is good writing and that's writing. There can be African writers who write in that sort of tradition. I do think there is a tradition of African writing that we should, I guess, be respecting and, and trying to look toward if we're trying to engage in a particular issue or topic or what have you. Um, and I guess in that sense, um, uh, Moses, I, what, what should we be reading? Who should we be reading? Um, so many, so many uh, writers are coming up with uh, works lately. But in order to have a, a bigger picture, it, it, you, you don't have to read like the Chimamandas or the Binyavangas or... It's important to read both the well-known and the little-known writers, and especially you know the writers who are publishing books uh, just now, the, uh, our, our peers who have done some incredibly beautiful work. Uh, in Jalada, for instance, we have uh, our former deputy managing editors just published a brilliant book. Um, she's called Navuyo uh, Shuma, and her work is just amazing. This, these are the kind of writers you want to uh, reach out to and find and try and, you know, understand the trends that, you know, what, what, what are our younger African writers or, or writers, you know, from this continent trying to do. And for you as well within Australia, 
uh, you can find you can find these different voices because sometimes you can be in one continent and there's so much that's happening and you don't know about it so it's important to actively seek who is doing what in what spaces and who is publishing what and you know you'll be able to to find you know different voices that you can interact with i read a bit of australian you know uh work some time back but it was mostly tim winton and uh just a few others so i'm sure there's so many other people who are writing work there so it's it's just a matter of finding uh, the people that you also really want to connect with and seeing what they're doing and the different things that they're writing and publishing. Thank you so much, Moses, for your time and your conversation. It's been a pleasure listening to you talking about um, Jalada, your own creative works, um, people who you who you want who we should be reading and and sort of like debunking the quote unquote African writing and uh, and what that means. Um, it's been I guess like also like um, eye-opening to sort of reassess um, our own sort of ideas of mm. how we want to approach clay, how we want to approach our own work, especially the point you make about the the, the sort of emotional um, burden, not, not necessarily burden, but s- strain that creating and, and working on a publication can, can, can give off your own creative work. Um, I just want to thank you for, for, for your time. Thank you too. And um, I look forward to what Clay will become. I'm happy to, you know, contribute in whichever way that you invite me to. We will definitely be inviting you to, <laughs> to contribute in any way you feel comfortable with. <laughs> The Emerging Writers Festival brings you the Digital Writers Festival again in 2018. And you can find the full program live online now. Check it out at digitalwritersfestival.com and join us to listen, learn and play right here in hyperspace from the 30th of October until the 3rd of November. Our theme music is the magical Huntley's Please from their EP Songs in Your Name. Find them on Facebook as Huntley Music. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that First Nations peoples are the first storytellers of this land and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to the Elders of the lands this podcast reaches. <laughs>